rapidly evolving and expanding treatment landscape, discussing presbyopia solutions with patients is becoming an increasingly nuanced task. In this episode of Presbyopia Unlocked, Dr. Netta Shami leads a panel of experts featuring Drs. George Waring, Walt Whitley, and Mark Blumenstein in a discussion of some of the products that can help manage early presbyopia and how to go about educating patients at varying stages on the treatment options available to them. Coming up on this episode of Presbyopia Unlocked. Hi everyone, my name is Netta Shami. I'm a cornea, cataract, and refractive surgeon in Los Angeles and a partner of the Maloney Shami Vision Institute. I am honored and delighted to be here for this latest episode of Presbyopia Unlocked entitled Discussing Presbyopia Solutions with Patients. I have a wonderful uh, group of uh, colleagues and panelists here who's, who are going to add to the breadth and the value of this discussion. And I, I'm going to hand it over to my friend and colleague, Dr. George Waring, who can introduce himself and then pass it on to the next uh, wonderful panelist here. Well, uh, Netta, thanks so much for having us. Um, I'm just thrilled to be on with this rock star panel tonight uh, with Drs. Whitley and Blumenstein and, and Dr. Shammy. I mean, this is just a great group. Uh, it's George Waring from Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. I'm a um, presbyopia surgeon. I'm also a presbyopic surgeon, so I'm a little bit <laughs> redundant, um, and, uh, but I also uh, have compassion for the people that I fix. Wonderful. And Walt? Hi, everybody. My name is Walt Whitley, and I'm an optometrist at Eye Care Associates of Nevada in Sparks, Nevada, and I am presbyopia, just like Dr. Waring. <laughs> I wonder if that was the, the unifying uh, theme between the four of us. Huh? <laughs> and then we also have my friend, Mark. Mark, please introduce yourself. Thanks, Nada. I'm Dr. Mark Blumenstein. Uh, I'm like Walt, an optometrist out here in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, I guess I need to say I'm also a member of the club. I'm an MOP, member of the Presbyopia Club. Um, <laughs> I, I practice at Schwartz Laser Eye Center. You know, we do a lot of comprehensive exams, but a lot of what we do is just uh, cataract and refractive surgery. So, yeah, presbyopia has been something we've been dealing with um, probably since, yeah, since the beginning of time. Um, yeah. So it's exciting. Exciting and, and, and sad at the same time, but thankfully we have solutions. So exciting. And we're going to talk about some of those solutions and how to really discuss uh, becoming a member of this club uh, with all, our patients. So our club has about 1.8 billion members. Um, as you all know, there's uh, this is actually is a study in that huge demographic of patients are suffering from presbyopia and we're new, new members of this club. And uh, we feel for them. And, you know, these patients, as we all know, as, as we can uh, talk on our own experience, are unhappy with their vision loss. Uh, with a survey of patients actually done and sponsored by Allegan showed patients between 40 to 55 years old, 96% of the respondents claimed that at least one daily activity is somewhat affected by presbyopia symptoms while, while nearly half of them said the in impact is extreme, and often this is their main visual complaint. Um, let's see, Walt, do you see this in your practice? Yeah, we see this daily within our practice. So I'm in a surgical practice as well. Uh, we do a lot of cataracts and refractive surgery, and we have a lot of patients that are coming in 
let's say they've had refractive surgery before and then uh, maybe in their 20s and 30s and now they're getting a little bit more mature like in their 40s now and so they're noticing the difference and they're thinking they they need an enhancement or they they're looking for a way to improve their near vision and so that's just one of the patients that, that I saw today in addition to just like you all, uh, a lot of our uh, cataract patients uh, afterwards, uh, the pseudo fakes, they're seeing better in the distance, but they're still wanting improvement in near vision. And so uh, this is something, I mean, it's going to affect 100% of people. I mean, it's inevitable. Presbyopia happens. And I'm just excited that we have so many solutions now that we can offer our patients. No, absolutely. And George, I'm sure you're also seeing your highly surgical practice and you work a lot with patients on optimizing their vision and, 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 and their use of their eyes. Can you comment on what you're seeing in your patients? Sure. So, uh, you know, Walt said it well, and Mark said it well, and uh, we're, you know, we, we practice what's called uh, vision for a lifetime. And, and so our, our eyes mature through different stages of our life. And so we're always setting the stage uh, when we do LASIK, uh, whether it's an their 20s or 30s, that they are going to have another stage where we're going to be fixing them. And so we're just sort of priming the pumps educationally to let everybody know to expect it. And it's amazing how well that's received. And um, But uh, our, our, we, we have a practice that is uh, really specializes in the correction of presbyopia. And this is something that, um, whether by word of mouth or marketing, uh, people come just for the correction for age-related blurry near vision. And so this is a, a, a large part of our practice. In fact, when combined, if we just look at uh, in the framework of dysfunctional lens syndrome, at least two thirds of our patients, uh, which would include cataract, but are choosing presbyopia correction throughout their journey. And that's whether this is just for stage two dysfunctional lens, stage one dysfunctional lens, or stage three. So it all all stages, that's sort of the idea is that we're, 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 we're restoring their vision like they were uh, children. Yeah, and I absolutely agree with you. I mean, we were talking today, I, out of my uh, surgical consults today, I had 30 surgical consults. And out of those 30 today, uh, three patients only complaint or only diagnosis was presbyopia. These were 40-year-old, uh, 2020 at distance for the first time they're having trouble uh, with their vision and their chief complaint is that they can't see their close up as well. And there was no cataract, no other um, issues. And, you know, we've now been very used to talking about presbyopia correction in our cataract population of patients, but it's that interim patient that we were kind of the 40 year old that we really didn't have great solutions. And now they're coming to, to us with these complaints. And thankfully, we have wonderful options. And, uh, you know, their value add to a practice. I think a lot of uh, surgical practices, you know, would maybe consider, oh, well, I don't, I'm not sure if this is a problem in my practice, but just from my 10% of patients today were presbyopia patients. The question is, is this something we want to talk about? Are these value added patients? And Mark, what are your thoughts on, you know, presbyopia pan, pa, uh, patients and not so much the cataract patients, but the 40 to 50 year old who doesn't have other pathology going on and their main complaint is presbyopia. How do they add value to the practice? So Netta, you brought up a, an absolutely uh, salient point in the perspective of adding a value to the practice is 
50% of all presbyopes have never had an eye exam. Um, there was, a, I think, a, a report that 86% of all patients that have bought cheaters or over-the-counter readers have never had an eye exam. So these are patients that actually aren't even going into our offices uh, looking for a solution. But yet, you know, as George had said, you know, with dysfunctional vision and as Walt had said, you know, uh, the exciting solutions we now have, I think it's imperative for us as eye care clinicians to draw these people into our practices. Um, and one of the ways to do that is by literally letting people know that we are here as eye care uh, clinicians to help them you know, keep that continuous vision. Uh, the interesting thing for me is, is that, you know, especially in an optometric practice, we really didn't talk about presbyopia that much. I mean, it was, patients are upset about it. They're saddened. It's, it's a harbinger of old age. Um, and all we could do is offer them, you know, maybe a monovision contact, or we could offer them some progressive lenses, which most people really didn't want hanging at the end of their nose. And now, as, as we've seen with extended depth of focus, or we've seen with the uh, trifocal lenses in surgery, and now we've seen with pharmaceuticals, we need to start talking to patients and get them excited about this and also bringing them in to make sure they're great candidates for some of these newer solutions. So there's, there's a huge value to, you know, it's a win-win for the patients as well as for our practices. I think that's a really great point. And, you know, it's interesting, the previous generation of presbyopes, the 40-year-olds who are now, you know, in their 60s now, the 40-year-olds past then, back then, when they became presbyopic, they just followed suit what their parents did and went and bought the, you know, $10 reading glasses and just kind of expected that this is going to be part of the aging process. Today's 40-year-old is the 40-year-old of the Botox era, where, you know, uh, our era, we, we don't want to age. We don't want to let the natural aging process necessarily creep in as fast as it, it, it does. And I think we're, mu we're much more amenable to looking for solutions uh, to be able to keep our active lifestyle and not have to give in. And so, George, I'd love to hear, I mean, you always have such wonderful ways of explaining things to patients. And how do you explain presbyopia to a 40-year-old who comes in and wants LASIK done wants a surgical solution for their need for reading glasses. How do you explain uh, how that does, how that works? And, and do you mention lifestyle adaptation as a way to demonstrate to them what presbyopia is? Well, you know, it's interesting. The, uh, I, um, li like you, Netta, I, we had a, a number of patients uh, um, over, uh, over the last weeks that had presented for presbyopia correction in their early 40s, early to mid 40s, uh, who were 2015 uh, at distance in J2 for reading, uh, and were just just maybe had noticed that they had lost a line or or a line and a half of reading vision, and these are these are tricky patients, and um, and that's your that's your true plano presbyopen or what we like to talk about in terms of um, almost stage one half dysfunctional lens or the very mild presbyopia. And really it's almost incipient presbyopia, but these but people are picking up on it and they're saying, Hey, something's wrong. And I, I don't want to age and I want to fix. Now it's a completely different story. If we're talking about uh, congenital hematropes that we're going to uh, be fixing their congenital refractive error. And, 
And that's how we talk about this. We frame it in terms of congenital changes, and we don't use these fancy terms. You just say, hey, you know, LASIK really is, is designed to fix problems you're born with, uh, but not necessarily age-related issues. And if we're further down the continuum, uh, say uh, um, hyperopic or stage two dysfunctional lens, then we talk about a lens-based procedure. But if we're the patient you described, Meta, uh, who's you know 2015 J2, uh, then we talk about drops, mm-hmm. and or we talk about fixing their congenital issue, their the problem they are born with with LASIK, and then we can use drops also. So we're really kind of moving away from from blended vision because that's the most discussion, the most dis- difficult discussion that I have is trying to talk about to the early 40-year-old about blended vision. So we talk about it, we offer it, we do it. But now we have this other amazing opportunity with presbyopia uh, uh, correcting eye drops, such as Vuity, first in history in the market, and where we can really focus on giving them uh, stereo distance acuity with the um, and maintaining their depth perception and then adding a drop as well. And that's really uh, smoothed the whole entire conversation out uh, tremendously. I absolutely agree with you. And I think looking at that continuum is, is really important because as you said, uh, you know, the LASIK, the LASIK patient who was uh, a myope and understands the value added of having a procedure that improves their vision and they have now gotten accustomed to not needing glasses is entering the presbyopia age will probably be much more responsive to opportunities to get out, you know, keep staying out of glasses, such as using uh, eye drops. Uh, and again, Vuity being the first uh, uh, such drop available to us. And it's been a wonderful addition to our surgical practice in those patients who had had LASIK before, who are now um, coming back and saying, you know, it's, it's worn off. Can you fix my LASIK again so I can stay out of glasses? Well, those are the patients who are presbyopic would do really well with the drops. And it really is kind of a, uh, a bridge to the next stage, which is when they develop cataracts, you are keeping giving them the solution of staying out of glasses throughout the spectrum of their lifespan. And so when time comes for cataract surgery, it's not like they've gone back into reading glasses where they say, well, it's okay, you know, I can stay, you know, I'm fine with readers. But in that case, if you've done drops and you've created a bridge, when time comes to talk about cataract surgery and presbyopia uh, lenses, that conversation is a, kind of a, a build on what was previously done. Um, now, Mark, are you finding that, again, the drops are helping bridge those two groups of patients, the, those before uh, who are you know, emetropes and you're correcting, as George was saying, kind of congenital what you're born with? versus the cataract patient, and how are you fitting the drops into your practice? So it's interesting, because in the very short amount of time that this drop has been out, it's like every single time I go into a lane, I look and I think, is this somebody who would be interested in learning how to navigate their phone or computer or be in a dark environment without having to put on glasses? And I've yet to find a patient who is over 40 that I don't think would be a perfect uh, candidate to, to, to utilize, you know, Vuity as, as George mentioned. Um, in our practice, those, those, those uh, pseudo fakes 
um, who basically got a standard IOL of no correction. I know it's, you know, kind of an off-label uh, use of it, but those patients love uh, utilizing the, the beauty. My st status post-refractive patients, like Georgia talked about, you know, moving them straight out of those patients, your consults you were talking about. Um, I actually had a patient today um, who was a monovision patient. Um, she had monovision. She's 20-20 in the distance. She's about J1, J2 up close. And she said she's just having a little bit of a hard time um, uh, basically putting a needle in a child's arm. And she said, I heard about these drops. Do you think they would help me? And I'm like, you know what? There's, I think there's a great opportunity here to maybe either you know, utilize it in your distance eye to improve more close vision while still maintaining good distance vision, or maybe in both eyes. So I, I'm excited to see how many different opportunities we have to be able to utilize a drop that lasts six to eight hours, basically. If a patient loves it, they stay on it. If they don't think it's going to help for them, then you know what? Nothing ventured, nothing gained. And what's amazing, I think, about beauty is that you can trial it. You can try it even in the in the office. It takes about fifteen minutes to take effect, and the patient can can uh, you know have that experience. And the fact that it's reversible or titratable, meaning they can use it when they feel that they need to on the days of the week that they need to. Um, I mean, this is really causing a paradigm shift. It is a very exciting addition to what our offering. Uh, to patients. Now, Mark, I'm a little concerned about, did you say your patient was a nurse, I hope, putting a needle in a uh, child's arm? I, there may be more yeah. problems there. No, no, no. She's, she's absolutely a nurse. Okay. Yeah, but I'm, I, I checked, I, when she said that about the needles into kids' arms, that was my first thing too. So. <laughs> okay, good. Thanks, thanks for catching that. <laughs> so, Walt, I'd love your thoughts on this. I feel like the Vuity has helped me be a more thoughtful surgeon in that I'm not pushing the limits of surgical intervention to gain, you know, ben suboptimal benefits. And, and that's, for example, in the patient who has had LASIK in the past, and I'm trying to treat their presbyopia with PRK enhancement and monovision that's never perfectly optimized for that patient. Um, now I'm offering them beauty. And in doing so, I gain that trust in the patient. The patient sees that as a surgeon, I'm looking at alternate ways of giving them the outcome they want in a way that's reversible, that's um, that's safe, um, and I could potentially really bridge them until they, you know, for example, need cataract surgery. Actually, I just had that patient you're talking about yes, or the other day where she had refractive surgery many years ago. She's starting to get some early uh, cataracts. Uh, she ended up being about plus 50, maybe plus 75. And I, and just as Mark was saying earlier, looking at the different ways we can, we can help our patients. I'm, I'm going into the exam room, like, is this going to be a patient who would be a candidate for the presbyopia drops? And so I talked to her about it and I said, Hey, you know, this is what it's going to do. It's going to help improve your, your near vision, but this can also improve your distance vision as well. And so she was super excited to do that. You know, just like you mentioned, doing the uh, the in-office trial, I'll do that as well. And I'll just write that script and send that in for patients. Uh, but, you know, with this, with with having the beauty drops, it's an opportunity, as you all mentioned earlier, where it's not going to be necessarily one size fits all, but it's going to be an opportunity for us to offer other treatment options for our patients where they want to use it every day, fine. If they want to use it sometimes, fine. They want to wear their glasses too, fine. But uh, just uh, it's just a great option that we have for our patients. And I've been an excited user of it as well. 
Yeah, I think I, I agree with you. And, you know, the 40-year-old press myopia, 40 to 50-year-old, obviously it's a, uh, it's a no-brainer. It really is uh, a really fantastic option for, for that patient. It's also a great option for the, the myope who finally has uh, saved enough money to be able to afford to have LASIK or because of COVID and mask wearing is, is frustrated with their glasses and, you know, is coming in for LASIK, but they're like peri-presbyopic. Or, you know, they're 40 years old and sometimes they feel like they need extra light or they can't, you know, they may, they may be pushing that the limits of their arm. It's made me more confident offering LASIK to that patient group because I say, you know, the worry about needing reading glasses is less because you'll, you'll be able to use this um, uh, beauty drop to be able to see well. So no worries there. I'm sure, uh, George, you've seen that too. And how about your patients who are like 50 and, and how does this help? Or how do you see drops or surgical options fitting in that older patient population, George? Prior to the launch of drops and having access to this wonderful tool in our toolbox, Netta, we, uh, again, really frame our offerings as uh, those that fix focus problems that you're born with and then other solutions that fix focus problems related to age. And so we really don't do much LASIK after 50. Uh, and of course, this is all relates and is directly related to their refractive status and their refractive error. With that said, um, we still do have 50-year-olds that are J, you know, 2015, Plano Presbyo, uh, and um, still can read reasonably well. And that's somebody that we may have the discussion about drops, but usually uh, they're, these have, they've really fallen in uh, past the first stage of lens dysfunction and getting into the second, where we really are doing more um, lens replacement. Uh, and uh, this has um, become a, um, a, a very large part of our practice. As we mentioned, we really have a, a our, our center really is based and focused on the surgical correction of presbyopia. And so there's been a lot of word of mouth about this. And so that's really our happiest patients. But there's absolutely a niche um, because it's not a one size fits all situation. We, you know, we, we customize this to all, all, all different comers. And, um, and, but it's just such a wonderful time to be able to do what we do because we have so many different uh, vision correction options, but mostly 50 and over. Uh, we're usually doing a primary lens replacement for um, age, the age-related issue. And do you think that, and, and I'll throw this out to anyone who'd like to comment, and do you think that it, the discussion around presbyopia correcting lens implants will become a much more fluid discussion, an easier presentation uh, maybe in five years after patients have become more accustomed to uh, presbyopia correcting or presbyopia mitigating um, eye drops such as beauty or presbyopia drops like beauty because they've gotten used to that staying out of glasses and that glasses are not necessarily inevitable. I, I think that just overall the discussion around presbyopia that we've been having for the last 10, 15 years. And now just having another tool in our armamentarium, 
I think it's almost going to become inevitable that we as, as clinicians start talking to our patients sooner. You know, George had mentioned dysfunctional lens syndrome. And I, I don't know that, especially in the optometric community, that's a, a, a term that you hear a lot. But we talk about patients when you say, oh, you know, you, you, you're starting to need glasses for close vision. And so it's like, these are now your options. You know, this is what we're going to have. But as we age and as that lens, you know, loses its ability to be as flexible and, you know, we, we don't, we start developing, you know, cataracts, uh, we now have, we'll have other options available to you. And I think to your point is getting patients excited about the fact that, look, we have these progressive lenses, we have these spectacle based lenses, but then we also have these drops for the times you don't want to wear your glasses, but then when your your lenses get to a point where you're ready to have them removed, we have these you know uh, multifocal or extended depth of focal or trifocal opportunities. So to to your point, I think we need to start providing our patients early, letting them know about you know this this age related change to their near vision, letting them know what the exciting options are because I think they're just going to keep getting better. I mean, this is this is first drop that we have first in class, and I, I kind of foresee there's other iterations that are going to make it even better. So I absolutely see this as a, as a continuum for the technology for our patients. And the discussion is going to grow. I mean, just, uh, just looking at this series of, of discussions among colleagues, uh, and we're doing just one episode of many around presbyopia, just goes to show you how much opportunity there is around this one subtopic in our field. Uh, and, and this may be a, a reflection of me being in Los Angeles and West Los Angeles, for that matter, where I keep I keep uh, really relating the experience we're having as ophthalmologists and eye care specialists, optometrists around presbyopia to the to the dermatologists and the plastic surgeons who went from really not having many options until facelifts were or, or surgical intervention was needed to, you know, Botox being the bridge to fillers being the bridge to more surgical intervention. And the general public, at least in LA, they're very accustomed to that looking for opportunities to address the aging process. They're not, you know, people don't just accept it for what it is. They're, you know, we are empowered with opportunities and tools to uh, address the aging process. And so I think, you know, it's, it's, kind of uh, interesting that Allergan uh, is the first company that came up with the presbyopia. It fits the bill with with uh, Botox and, and, and again, tackling aging. What, you know, what are your thoughts, Walt, on, again, the patients coming in? Do you think that soon enough patients will come in asking this for this? And if an eye care specialist is not making the offerings, whether it's Vuity or... Um, presbyopia correcting lenses that they would potentially lose patients from coming into their practice? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And I think it's, a, once again, a huge opportunity because, yes, Allergan's the first one. We've already had patients come in and, and asking us about the drops, and we haven't done any promotion on it. They just heard it on one of the news segments or, or maybe it was Jimmy Fallon's episode that he did. But people are starting to talk about this. And then we're going to see the different social media posts on this as, as, as well. And so this is just one company. And they haven't even started the DTC advertising yet. So when that happens, we need to start preparing our practices now. We need to start having that discussion now. I mean, you all mentioned education. We, we say 40s, but 
do we start sooner? Do we start in the 30s, say, hey, this is what we're doing now to help your vision, but in the next several years, these are some of the changes that you're, you're going to notice. And that's where we have options such as the glasses, we have contacts, and we have Vuity as well. But then keeping that discussion, that education, it's a journey and it's our presbyopic journey. And so going from the early treatments to the surgical corrections, I mean, we all need to have uh, be ready to uh, and our staff ready to have this conversation because there's a whole lot of patients that uh, Mark just mentioned that haven't even had an eye exam using over-the-counter readers and wanting to come see us. Yeah, and these are patients who are savvy, who are getting on, you know, on the computer looking and searching. And I think if a practice wants to capture the attention of these patients who have never seen an, an eye doctor or or who are seeking uh, eye doctors who are, uh, uh, you know, up upfront with latest technology, latest advances in the field, uh, it's important for our practices to, as you said, educate, whether it's through having content on your website or taking advantage of social media. Um, it's a real value added to the practice. I know that initially my um, optometry colleagues and friends were hesitant about presbyopia drops because their concern was, is it going to potentially compete with the, uh, their spectacles business or their um, just, gen you know, just general practice? Ophthalmic surgeons were concerned, is this going to potentially impede my ability to offer premium lenses? But as we discussed in this last half an hour or so, it, it is truly value added. It allows for, um, for all of us to bring new patients in, engage the attention of, of patients, possibly at a younger age than they would come to us, um, you know, for, as a, for cataract surgery, for example, where they may have gone uh, reading glasses off the sh shelf for years and now they're coming to us and they're not interested in presbyopia lenses because they've gotten accustomed to readers versus having that conversation, getting patients to understand that there is incredible value in not having to be reliant on reading glasses and do that early, educate them early, have them come into your offices for general, for their exams sooner and um, not get, you know, essentially presenting to them the idea that you're not going to have to rely on glasses. And when time comes for cataract surgery, that there are wonderful options to give you the best vision possible without the dependency on glasses. And as we all uh, know, we're much younger, ver you know, much younger at, at age 40 than maybe the previous generation 40-year-olds were. We're much more active and we have bigger demands on our eyes and our, and our life. So, uh, so with all of you, I, I'd love to ask, George, have you tried beauty yet? I, you said you're press biopsy. So I want to know how, how, how did it work for you? You know, Netta, it worked great. I, um, I was I was pleasantly surprised. Um, I uh, noticed improvement. I had a, I had a, a little bit of redness uh, for um, you know less than ten minutes, which uh, frankly I'll, I'll actually get with just with preservative tears. Um, I uh, my, noticed my reading vision improved dramatically within ten minutes, and my distance vision improved. Also, um, I could um, I have some sense that I, I could feel that it was that it was working uh, for, for a brief period of time as I was kind of getting used to that a, a range of focus and, and uh, um, with my um, pupil modulation. Um, and I had no brow ache whatsoever. 
And it lasted for about six or seven hours for me, um, where I was sitting down at the computer later that uh, uh, afternoon or evening, actually. And I recall the moment where I said, oh, it's, uh, it's you know, starting to wear off a little bit. Hmm. I wonder if I should take some more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, my experience was very similar and it most definitely improved my distance as well as my near, actually my near improved by two lines. So I'm a much... Uh, more of a press by open than I thought it was. Um, and, you know, what's been interesting is that we we were able to get some samples and it's just flying off the shelves. And I and uh, it's incredible. Uh, our staff ha- have tried it and they're just absolutely sold on it. It's the fastest uh, kind of learning curve that I've had in educating my staff on a drop and, and, and its impact. They are so excited in offering, uh, to offering it to patients and talking about it to patients. Yeah. Real, um, real quick, Nat, I'll, I'll actually have my, my staff is actually catching me, uh, and, and, um, and some of these client situations that have been described by Mark and Walton, um, and they're saying, Hey, Dr. Rang, don't you think that would be a great patient for beauty? And I'll go, Oh yeah, you're right. Good job. We, we, have, we have the exact same experience in our practice. Um, you know, I've used it. I'm a little bit of a low myope. I had no brow ache. I had a little bit of redness, um, but I've had other patients who've tried it and, you know, their eyes were red. They got a little tunnel vision, a little brow ache. And they're like, I don't know about this. I don't know about this. And about 20 minutes later, I would walk up to them. This is some staff members. And I'm like, how are those drops? And I go, I didn't even think about it. I go, but you're not wearing your glasses. And they're like, you know what? You're right. So, I mean, I, I definitely think there's a learning curve. And what, I mean, for me, I didn't realize that they were helping until I put on my single vision glasses and I'm like, wow, I can actually see my phone. Um, so it's, it's, it's pretty exciting. I'll tell you that there is somebody in my, my office and just to show the versatility of this really safe, efficacious myotic drop, she is a, she's an RK patient. And she only wears glasses at the computer. I know she's got astigmatism. She has tremendous amount of glare at nighttime as she's driving home. And she said, what do you think? And I said, you know what? I said, I think it's worth trying. She is by far the number one advocate for this drop. She absolutely loves it. She sent me a text. She said, I have no glare at nighttime. It's phenomenal. I can sit in front of my computer. I'm reading without glasses for the first time in like 10 years. So, I mean, I, I think your staff can be, uh, like, like George just said, I mean, they can remind us of, of how well this drop can be for, for patients that we oftentimes don't even think about. Absolutely. And Walt, I'm, I'm sure you can comment on the fact that it's reversible and you can trial it. And, and it's one of those things that it's such, it's quick acting. So you don't have to wait weeks to see the effect. It's within 15 minutes. And then if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, you, you, you know, for the patient. Yeah. I mean, we've seen that with our patients already. We just put that sample in office waiting 10, 15 minutes and they're like, oh, wow, I could see already. So you're asking about experiences for me. Uh, I thought I was more presbyopic than I than I was, uh, but when I put the when I put the drops in, uh, I was able to see uh, a couple lines better than I was before. But uh, toward the end of the day, I did notice that it did wear off, so I knew those drops were definitely working. Uh, I did not have any brow ache, headaches, or, or or redness, and so for me, it's been very successful so far. Well, thank you so much for sharing your experiences all and. To close, um, you know, there's a lot of exciting options out there. Viewity most definitely has expanded our discussion around presbyopia by adding 
at a bridge uh, for our patients who are in that kind of early presbyo, but also in the in the kind of a um, subgroup of patients, as mentioned by Mark, that can be used outside of its uh, indications. But also presbyopia lenses, the technology out there is exciting. There's so many wonderful options. And if uh, a surgeon or an eye doctor is not engaging with these incredible options available, they are missing an opportunity to really make their patients happy, to bring in new patients and really add value to their practice and, and their personal and professional satisfaction. Uh, I personally am loving being an ophthalmologist. It is, you know, this is a very exciting era for us. And uh, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and, and your feedback on this. I'm excited to talk more about this. And again, great, great friends and great discussion. Thank you so much for your time.